This Bible study from president and founder of Capital Ministries, Ralph Drawlinger, is entitled, Does One Need to Be Saved to Go to Heaven? I will never forget the morning I was playing three-on-three basketball with Pete Maravich in Pasadena, California. It was the morning he would die from a massive heart attack. How well I remember Dr. James Dobson and myself trading back and forth in our attempts at mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. What seemed like an eternity, a half hour later, the ambulance finally arrived. During that period, there was no response at all, no sign of life in Pete whatsoever. The autopsy would later reveal that one of the all-time greatest basketball players was dead from the moment he hit the floor, incapable of benefiting from our futile attempts, incapable of responding to any stimulus, incapable of any ability of his own to respond. That chilling, stark memory will forever remain etched in my mind. It serves as a poignant picture of this week's scripture passages I would like to study with you. Introduction Spiritual death is a quite similar thing. It is the complete inability and incapacity to respond to spiritual things, especially the Word of God. Accordingly, this week, I would like to unpack the meaning of Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God made us alive together with Christ. A specific understanding of Ephesians 2, verse 1. A. Dead. All men and women, declares the Bible, are dead in their trespasses and sins. There is no clearer insight than this in the entire Word of God regarding the spiritual status of mankind, physically alive but spiritually dead. In Matthew 8, 21-22, one finds Jesus responding to a reluctant follower. Notice the parallel thought in this passage. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me, and allow the dead to bury their own dead. The man's response to Jesus' call was one of delay. He wanted to wait until his father died, for which there is no indication he was even about to. His motive was most likely to inherit his wealth, in essence, revealing that material things were of greater importance to him than following Jesus. That being the case, Jesus said, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. What Jesus said similarly reveals God's perspective of mankind, physically alive but spiritually dead. In 1 Timothy 5.6, Timothy receives instruction as a pastor on how to handle widows in the church. Paul counsels him. She who gives herself to wanton pleasure is dead even while she lives. Note again the clear biblical perspective on mankind's spiritual status, physically alive but spiritually dead. The sad but real state of every human being who knows not the Redeemer. Everyone needs to be resuscitated by the breath of Jesus in order to go to heaven. In Further investigation of the passage involves a careful analysis of the word in. The Greek case used here indicates sphere, the sphere in which something exists, i.e., spiritual deadness does not come from trespasses and sins. 
Trespasses and sin. Trespasses, peroptoma, means to slip, deviate, or go the wrong direction. Sins, hamartia, derives its original meaning from the sport of archery, where it meant to miss the bullseye. In a spiritual sense, sin, used 173 times in the New Testament, means to miss God's perfect standard of holiness. Both words are used here in stereo to illustrate the breath of hazardous emissions spewing forth from spiritually dead people. Whereas Scripture teaches that one can evidence genuine Christians by their love, John thirteen thirty five, so one will know dead men by their trespasses and sins. The Depth of Sin Concerning the depth of sin's corruption in the life of the unregenerate man, 1 Corinthians 2.14 provides profound insights. It reads, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. In this passage, the spiritually dead man is referred to as a natural man in contrast to the spiritual man who has been made alive to God through Christ. 2.15.3.1 Characteristic of spiritually dead people, we learn that they cannot even begin to reason their way to knowing God because the fall has gone so far as to corrupt and darken their thinking. The mind also fell at the fall. This is theologically referred to as the noetic effect of sin. The severity of sin. The severity of the sin problem is described in the remaining section of Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Stating to the redeemed believers, Paul states, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. Many today may think these words are too harsh, but note this, there are those who outwardly are better than others. History has recorded a wide variation in the levels of human goodness and evil. As we reflect on the 18th anniversary of the September 11, 2001 attacks on America, the actions of the hate-driven terrorists that resulted in the loss of thousands of innocent American lives indeed provide a vivid picture of an extreme degree of human depravity. But in all sobriety and contemplated through the lens of Scripture, from God's perspective, both are in desperate need of Jesus Christ to satisfy the payment for sin in order to be saved from an eternal sentence of separation from holy God. Certainly, not all are equal in their level of sin, but all are equal in their separation from God. Related to God's standard of holiness, all are equal in their failure to even come close to His standard of perfection. To illustrate the point, For most of my life I have enjoyed mountaineering in our nation's magnificent Sierra Nevada. Having studied its climbing history, I have often been fascinated with the routes and ascents of Norman Clyde, who is by far the premier explorer in all Sierra Nevada climbing history, having notched up over 2,000 ascents. 
Personally, in 45 years of climbing, I've made approximately 300 ascents. Compared to a novice who has climbed Mount Whitney, I may appear quite superior in comparative accomplishment. But in light of Norman Clyde's standard for excellence, both the novice and I are dismal failures. God says, You shall be holy, for I am holy, 1 Peter 1.16. His standard is perfect holiness, and all who rely on an economy of personal achievement fall comparatively short. Make no mistake, salvation cannot be attained by personal merit or works. Salvation is achieved by Christ's work on another's behalf. One need be saved by the propitiatory work of Christ to go to heaven. Whereas the world in gushy sentimentalism enjoys characterizing everyone as being children of God, Scripture makes it clear that apart from an imputated righteousness through Christ's work on one's behalf, all are doomed for eternal failure. God's sober perspective, mankind is dead, as evidenced and revealed by sin and subsequently, states Ephesians 2, are by nature not children of God, children of wrath. When John Newton penned the famous hymn Amazing Grace, he said of God's grace that saved a wretch like me. The word wretch is a biblically apropos description. A specific understanding of Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. How are people made alive to God? A, by the grace of God. But God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Again, it is not by any form of human works that one is saved. But keep in mind the book of James says that good works are always indicative of those who are truly saved. Specifically note what Paul states in Ephesians 2, 8-9 regarding how one is made alive to God. B. By faith alone in Christ alone. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not as result of works, so that no one may boast. In this passage, God's means of salvation could not be any clearer. Salvation is not achieved via personal works. It is achieved by God's work on our behalf. God's standard of holiness is far too lofty to be achievable through any and all of man's self-efforts. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 20-47 unavoidably portrays this wherein God peers underneath seemingly good outward actions to judge mankind's sinful, condemning inward thoughts. C. By a gift of God. Salvation cannot come from self. Rather, it is a total gift of God. Romans 5, 8-9 reinforces this. It says, But God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. By His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. The biblical teaching on salvation is consistent and repetitive. By placing our faith in Him, we are justified and made alive together with Christ. Speaking of this glorious salvation in Romans 6.4, Scripture attests, 
so that we too might walk in newness of life. Accordingly, those who have received Christ have been born spiritually. Cross-reference John 3, 3-6, through 6, they have God's nature and are spiritual people capable of living spiritual lives via the now empowering, now indwelling Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5.17-18 attests to this. It reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Our conclusion. There is the tremendous contrast provided in Scripture relative to one who was born spiritually through Christ versus one who was yet to make that life-changing discovery. Whether you know Christ as your personal Savior and Lord or not, you are welcome to study his book with us in the members' Bible studies. On behalf of those in each group, we desire your participation where, hopefully, you will experience the love of Christ and will grow in His grace and knowledge. Come just as you are. Does one really need to be saved to go to heaven? Contemplate what the book of Romans records in chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. If you have not placed your faith in Christ today for salvation, I encourage you to invite him into your life. This concludes our Bible study for this week. May God bless you deeply.